You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to Why Not Mint Money. This is Neil Borate from the Mint Money team. The stock markets are down five percent yesterday, and uh, a lot of turmoil seems to be on the horizon. But are there global markets? Are there indices or sectors outside India? which can actually do well in this kind of environment this is uh, what we are trying to figure out today in today's discussion uh, for which we have viram shah vested finance so vested finance is a us sec registered investment advisor and they focus on indians who want to uh, invest in us and global markets why not mint money is a daily podcast on personal finance that helps you get smart about managing money we help you understand basic money concepts to keep you from making bad money mistakes why not mint money is your one stop solution to money matters so let's get started welcome to your money journey welcome viram i neel thanks a lot for having me here lovely having you and uh, let's begin viram with the very basics so what are etfs what are exchange traded funds yeah so um, in the natural comparison that comes to mind when you hear about a fund is mutual fund right so basically an exchange traded fund is uh, unlike a mutual fund is something that trades on an exchange so what that means is that you can buy and sell it uh, whenever you want when the markets are open that's the basic uh, difference versus a mutual fund where redemption or buying happens typically once or twice in a day an exchange traded fund is liquid it trades like a stock so uh, that's the underlying difference and the second big difference that you will see uh, typically in most exchange traded funds is that because they are exchange traded like this they tend to be passive investment instruments now what do you mean by passive is that nobody is actively daily on every uh, sort of every day looking at the allocation deciding okay whether we need to increase decrease allocation they are passive in a sense that they are set with an objective in mind and then they just keep following that objective over time if the underlying sort of objective there some changes then they essentially the structure of the fund might change but it rarely happens versus as if you look at a mutual fund you have a fund manager right and the fund manager is making these calls and so a lot of things tend to depend on the fund manager's capabilities which is why sort of people tend to do research on these fund managers as well and the other sort of by product of it being a passive instrument is that the cost tends to be lower because of course if you have a fund manager you tend to have uh higher cost because there are additional things that the team needs to uh, inculcate right into the expense ratio which is the cost of the fund so etfs because they are set on day one and then automated uh, the cost tend to be much lower so you don't pay a high expense ratio when you are investing in an etf so those those tend to be two big differences right. um, between etfs and funds and that's kind of how you can learn about etfs as well right you know the top advantage would be that etfs are traded throughout the day so for example if there is an event like the ukraine conflict and the index drops down a lot intraday you can buy it at any point of time um number 2 is that uh, they are passive in nature so there is no question of fund manager error creeping up um and the third is that they are low cost um so now right. let's yes so now let's turn to the top 3 etfs that are traded on vested finance what are they 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, just before we get to that, we can talk about, let's say, different types of ETFs, right? And then that will give more color to what are the top ones. So in the US markets, which is a very evolved market for ETFs, there are like, I think about 2,000 ETFs there. There are different types of ETFs. So uh, the most popular ones uh, tend to be the index ETFs, basically, which are tracking an underlying index that that is sort of a bellwether for the market, which basically represent the market. Uh, those are the most popular ones, even in India. Then you have sort of thematic like, ETFs, uh, which might be followed. Just to give examples, Viram's also indices. So Nifty 50 is an index, S&P 500 is an index. Exactly, exactly, right? Nifty 50, S&P 500, uh, NASDAQ 100, all of these, Nifty 500, all of these are indexes that have been created to, to sort of represent the market. And, and, and then ETFs that are index ETFs track this index. And, and give you an opportunity to invest in the index. So that's that's one. Then you have sort of theme-based ETFs, which are investing in a certain theme. Let's take some examples like uh, you have cybersecurity as a theme, or you have technology as a theme, or you have uh, biotechnology as a theme. So these ETFs are particularly investing in those themes themselves, and they give you exposure to, to those themes. Then the third type of ETF that you see are uh, sort of commodity ETFs in the US. So you can basically get exposure to a particular commodity through an ETF. So you don't need to go and buy the actual commodity. Like you have gold like ETFs India, or you have gold like India India. has gold and silver ETFs. Correct, right, exactly. And so you have a lot more commodities in the US because it's a mature market. So you'll have oil, uh, every any metal that you, you want to sort of invest in, you could do it through the, the uh, ETFs available. So that's... That's, that's the third. Uh, fourth is uh, sort of asset-based ETFs, which are allowing you to get exposure to different assets. So uh, all of the ones we discussed until now are equity, right? But then through an ETF, you can also get exposure to debt. You can also get exposure to real estate, to REITs. These are the different kinds of sort of non-equity ETFs that you could uh, also look to invest in. And then lastly, uh, the fifth type is these global ETFs, which are really not, and, and you have them in India as well, right? Like the, the NASDAQ 100 ETF, right? So you're not investing in the local market, you're actually investing uh, internationally. And, and so through the U.S. market, you can invest. Just to clarify the example that you gave, uh, you know, the NASDAQ ETF is, is thought of as a U.S. ETF, but actually it has its revenues across the world. So that's why you think of it as actually a global ETF. Correct. So that, that's what I, the way I was thinking about it is more from India to invest in the NASDAQ is like a global ETF for us, right? Similarly, from the US to invest in other countries, there are global ETFs. Like there is a global equity uh, ETF, there's a global debt ETF, there is a China ETF or Japan ETF, Brazil ETF. So uh, all of these kind of different types of ETFs uh, that are available. So five five main types that, that we look at. Now, kind of transitioning to your question, uh, which ones are the most popular? So the top three, uh, two are index ETFs, which are, are naturally just more popular because of the education that that is around it. So one is the the VOO, which is uh, the the ETF that tracks the S and P five hundred, and uh, second is uh, QQQ, which tracks the Nasdaq hundred. So these these two are the the top two, and I think in India also they are very popular. Right. So we could pause here. What does VOO stand for, and what does QQQ stand for? Very interesting acronyms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good question. So uh, these are basically tickers for for the ETFs in the US market, and and uh, VOO is essentially Vanguard's S and P 500 ETF. So it it is traded under the name VOO, the ticker VOO. So that's that's what it means. And uh, QQQ is the Nasdaq 100 ETF, and and so that's again the ticker for the uh, Nasdaq 100 ETF. So uh, those, if you want to search, which is run by Investco, which is run by Investco. Yeah, so you can just search for these three um, alphabets and you'll find an ETF if you don't want to search for the full name. So that's, that's basically a, a sort of shorter way to referring there. 
The uh, third one, uh, whose sticker is uh, ARK G A R K G, is an ETF run by this company ARK, uh, who's been sort of uh, creating these ETFs more on on new technology, emerging technology themes. And so, surprisingly, actually, this one is the third popular one on the platform, which is focused on on investing in genomics companies. And and uh, it's created by this company ARK, and and which is why it's, it goes by the ticker ARK G. So these are the three top ones. Right. So coming to the third one now. The story of ARK and its uh, star fund manager, Kathy Wood, has been uh, very popularly discussed. It did extremely well in the pandemic years when tech stocks rose because uh, ARK, I believe, takes very concentrated bets on the new age tech stocks. Not even FANG, but uh, you know, one notch uh, lower than FANG in terms of size. Um, so now this biotechnology uh, ETF, could you tell us more about it and what kind of returns has it given? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the ARC ETF, it's basically, if you look at the underlying objective, it invests in companies that are helping to improve or enhance the human life. So that's the underlying simple philosophy. So it looks, in fact, across all of genomics. And so some of the sectors uh, that they invest in is, let's say, companies working on stem cells, companies working on, on CRISPR technology, on um, molecular atomy. So, so all of these are sort of different sectors that they look at. And, and that's why they've invested in, in different companies. Uh, if you look at the expense ratio, so this is, uh, this is actually an actively managed ETF, which is a very rare breed where there is a fund manager, Cathy, uh, we mentioned, and, and she sort of decides what the allocation should be. So it's a hybrid of a mutual fund and an ETF. To, to, uh, a certain Wait, so just to clarify for our listeners, although in India, ETF is synonymous with uh, passive, in the US, you do have actively managed ETF. It seems like a contradiction in terms, but they exist. This is one of them. Correct, correct, correct. Very rare to see sort of an actively managed uh, ETF, but this can be edited. Okay, yeah. So very rare to see sort of an actively managed uh, ETF, but ARCs ETFs because of the different sectors or unique sectors they they focus on you would need to change the underlying holdings if a company is not doing well. And so uh, they have been doing activity. So the point being, because it's active, the expense ratio tends to be a little higher. Uh, if you look at sort of the S&P 500 TF, the expense ratio is less than 10 basis points, like point, I think 0.8 or 0.9. Point zero eight or point zero nine, sorry. Uh, whereas here, this ARC GTF is 0.75%. So this is a cost that you should look at whenever you're investing in ETFs because it's hidden. So you said that the S&P 500 expense ratio is 0 0.08. So that's, you know, eight basis points, um, you know, less than a tenth of a percentage. For ARC, it is 75.75%, which is slightly less than a percent. So that's the magnitude of difference. Exactly, exactly. And and which is why the which is where the fees for the fund manager sort of comes in, where where it, it happens in mutual funds as well. So almost ten times, right? The fees uh, that that Arc is charging for giving you a sort of a genomics ETF that is not like uh, passively managed. So that's a big difference. And uh, lastly, from a return standpoint, I mean, over the last one year, I was looking. Uh, Arc G has given decent returns. Actually, it's about eighteen percent that the the uh, the fund has returned and of course now in this situation we all have to see what what can be uh, the returns going forward but but if you believe in sort of a, a thematic bet and and this is sort of a theme that's not available in the india markets right so it helps you kind of make a, a bet on sort of a global theme and and sort of an emerging theme uh, in an easy manner the why the reason why it's so popular is um, simply wisdom of the crowd right i mean it's not that 
you guys th- suggested it or you guys think that this is the way it's going to go it's basically your users kind of uh, zeroed in on it yeah i mean we we don't have any kind of suggestions not at all and, and which is why it's surprising like how how did this company become so popular that their etf has been bought by like it's the third most bought etf right so uh, it's fascinating yeah okay now let's turn to probably the question that is topmost in the minds of many many people around the world um, are there etfs that can actually do well in uh, today's environment of ukraine conflict of markets crash, crashing etc yeah i mean that's definitely a tricky question and and uh, it it always sort of it, this is more for kind of an opportunity opportunistic investor who would know the right time to enter and exit but ha- having given that disclaimer a couple of uh, sort of interesting etfs that one could look at uh, from two angles so one is on commodities uh, what can you look at and second is themes i think these are the two that that you might be interested in if you're trying to oppor- uh, trying to sort of uh, capitalize on the opportunity right now from a commodity standpoint uh, there is this etf uso which which offers oil futures and uh, and given how how sort of um, oil has been trending over the last few days and and, and knowing how how uh, sort of russia contributes to the oil oil producing countries uh, oil might be something that shoots up in price and so that that is something that you look at get exposure to oil in an easy manner uh, we had seen Uh, the last time the oil crisis sort of kicked in a lot of people were interested in 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 buying uso but you have to understand that this is not underlying oil it's oil futures so it's not necessarily that it acts exactly the oil price so that is something that you should you should definitely keep in mind right uh, so if we could go into that a little bit more uh, you know oil actually had gone negative during the pandemic you know there was this brief period of time when <laughs> it was minus and now it is crossed 100 dollars a barrel in the matter of two years what a roller coaster ride but um, for our listeners who don't understand futures and etf tracking futures are there simpler etfs which track oil stocks for example yeah 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 there are so uh, other etfs as well and i don't remember the tickers of the top of my head but there is uh, i think an iShares etf which tracks uh, oil companies and oil equipment companies so that is actually a very good point that's another way and an easier way to get exposure to oil if you don't want to sort of dabble into this entire complicated future structure right right okay so that's one kind of etf that we identified um, oil stocks oil futures what is the other kind so the second is uh, again a commodity is i mean a simple one is gold right uh, any time there is volatility people flock to gold and and it kind of acts as a safe haven so uh, an easy one there is is i mean there is etf by the ticker iau which is the largest sort of gold etf in the world and and i mean you could look at something like that so these are the two that i had in mind from a commodity standpoint now from a, a thematic standpoint what you could look at is is sort of two themes and 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 this would be uh, sort of obvious to people but at least the first one is basically a defense the defense sector right uh, the aerospace and defense sector tends to benefit anytime there is uh, a conflict and so there is you see what was the idea yeah there is an etf called uh, ita which is the ishares aerospace and defense etf and uh, that is something that that one could look at it basically uh, gives you exposure to a, a bunch of companies working in the defense sector Right. So, uh, just to simplify this for our listeners, this ETF invests in U.S. defense stocks. So, unlike India, uh, a lot of uh, defense manufacturing in the U.S. is in the private sector, uh, profit-making companies. Uh, you know, names that people might have heard of, like uh, I think Boeing or some of the big U.S. contractors uh, could be in one of them. 
and and so if there is a ramp up in defense spending in the us uh, then those companies would benefit is that correct exactly 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 and, and, and along similar lines uh, another thematic etf that you could also look at is in the uh, cyber security space actually because now uh, if you look at sort of modern day warfare it's not just on ground warfare but there's a lot of cyber warfare as well that that countries need to protect against and and here these cyber warfare com- uh, these cyber security companies become quite popular uh, and of course their business improves right like the companies like zscaler that that do really well so there's an etf uh, which is which the ticker is bug b u g uh, aptly <laughs> sort of name and uh, it's it's called the global x uh, cybersecurity etf which invests pretty much in all uh, cybersecurity companies and and so that could also be an interesting theme that that uh, one could look at right, right. Um, so just to summarize then we've identified three kinds of etfs that could benefit um, in the very short term as an opportunistic bet from the ukraine conflict um one is an oil etf uh, the other would be a defense etf and the third would be a cyber security focused defense etf now how does an indian uh, sitting in india uh, an indian resident invest in these global etfs yeah so now fortunately due to technology uh, this process has become much more simpler and uh, over the last 2 to 3 years we at vested have worked really hard to be able to simplify the entire journey so what you would be doing if you're sitting in india and you want to invest in these etfs which are not available locally right so you basically need to set up uh, a brokerage account in the us which is a very simple process completely uh, i mean free and fast essentially you can uh, go online and and submit your uh, pan aadhar and open up a us brokerage account and then what you do is uh, under the rbi scheme which is the the liberalized remittance scheme uh, which essentially outlines how uh, an indian can send money internationally so under the lrs you are very much legally allowed to send up to 2 and 1/2 lakh dollars which is a significant amount i mean not that you would need this much but up to 2 and 1/2 lakh dollars uh, in your brokerage account to invest in these etfs available there so uh, you send money under the lrs we we simplify that process as well and then once your money is in you can basically keep buying and selling so all of these etfs would be available other uh, stocks as well if you want to and you can buy and sell and whenever you want to bring the money back you you put in a withdrawal request and convert the money back from from us dollar to rupees so yeah all right. in all this so, is what right so there are three kinds of concerns that people usually have with international investing one is to do with the forex costs you know people have been abroad on vacations and they've seen the kind of forex uh, rates they are they are quoted the second is brokerage costs people are familiar with what kind of brokerage applies in india but they don't know what it would be in the us and uh, i guess the third would be the security of the us broker you know in india if the broker goes bust somewhere they know that there's a sebi behind it to take care of them so what how is it in the us yeah 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 all very good points so uh, first and foremost forex cost is is definitely a valid point and and uh, there is an additional forex risk as well right because you're converting rupee to dollar and then you're holding dollar and then you're bringing it back you might benefit because the rupee depreciates but you should just know that there is an additional sort of foreign foreign currency risk that you're taking now from a cost standpoint actually the costs have actually reduced substantially over the last uh, few years and um, let me talk about what it was earlier so earlier let's say 6 months back if you wanted to load money into your brokerage account you would have to pay two fees one is a fixed fee which is a, which which used to range from about 1000 rupees to 1500 and then the second fee would be a, a foreign exchange markup so the banks charge a fee on top of the the rate that you see on google usually which is like the interbank rate the bank charges a fee on top of it for uh, retail customers 
So that markup used to be about 2 to 3%. What we've done is we've worked with banks in India and uh, launched this solution which we call Vested Direct, wherein whenever you're loading money, there is no fixed fee. So that 1,000 rupee fixed fee goes away and the markup is substantially reduced to 1.2%. So it's very transparent. This is the rate that you'll be paying. And so now the costs are much lower and also it's just a percentage cost. So we've seen people start doing SIPs as well because now there's no fixed fee. So you can keep sending smaller amounts of money. Right. So just to clarify this, you know, if I'm transferring $500, I pay 1.2%. And if I'm transferring $5,000, I still pay 1.2%. There is no additional Correct. or different cost. Correct. Correct. It's the same. And, uh, and, and that, yeah, exactly. So that uh, enables people to sort of do uh, monthly SIPs as well and, and, and do it in an easy manner now. So that's one big cost saving. And you only pay this when you load your account. So it's not like you are paying this on every transaction. Brings me to the next uh, sort of point that you raised, namely is the brokerage cost, right? And, and um, today, the US markets, the US equity markets are very, very mature. I mean, it's a massive market. The brokers have been around for a while. What has happened over time is like the brokerage costs have uh, gone down, down, down as more and more companies have come in. And so today the environment is such that there is no brokerage cost. Even US brokers don't charge. We don't charge any brokerage cost. So basically commission is zero. So you can buy and sell how much ever you want without any without paying any additional cost. So that's a big part of cost saving that has gone away over the last couple of years. Right. So people here have heard of Robinhood, for example, which uh, pioneered, I think, the zero brokerage model in the US. And of course, they've heard of Zerodha in India, which is not entirely free, but is, is free for many kinds of trades. Um, so you're saying that, you know, people who invest in the US through India will also get no brokerage costs uh, if they go through Vested, for example, because we don't know about other brokers. Correct, exactly. Right. Now, the third question is about, um, you know, the security of the money. What if the broker goes bust? How is yeah. their safety? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, very valid question. So when you're investing in the US markets, you're investing basically under the purview of the SEC, which is a regulator in the US, a SEBI equivalent in, in the US. And the SEC has put in uh, a bunch of guardrails to sort of protect anybody who's investing in the US markets. And one of the big guardrails that is ha it has in place is that, let's say, worst case, anything happens to the broker that you're investing through, uh, you have an insurance that kicks in, which is uh, $250,000 um, in equity and $250,000 in cash. So a total of $500,000 of insurance that is provided by the specific entity that is set up to provide this insurance, which is the SIPC or the Securities Investor Protection Corporation. And so all the accounts that you're opening are basically insured uh, in case something happens to the broker. Having said that, there are also very strict guardrails put in place for day-to-day -day reporting for um, books and records, all of these by the SEC for any broker that you work with. We ourselves as Vested are registered with the SEC, so they have a, uh, a sort of oversight over us and currently are registered as an investment advisor, but soon we'll also be getting a, a broker license for ourselves. Okay, uh, now finally let's turn to the common used alternative for international investing, which is mutual funds in India. There are quite a few mutual funds now who are feeding into uh, ETFs uh, abroad. Um, I think the latest one has been Navi, which uh, feeds into the US total stock market index, uh, or rather the Vanguard ETF, which tracks that index. So what, what is the benefit of um, you know, investing through a US brokerage, apart from the fact that, of course, currently uh, mutual funds have hit the SEBI limit for foreign investment, and so they are all, they've all stopped accepting flows except for a few which are investing in ETFs and that too might get hit um, soon enough. So apart from that, what are the benefits? Yeah, 
So uh, a couple of things, I think one is uh, the fact that cost tends to be lesser if you're going direct, like for anything. I mean, if you're adding uh, another layer to the value chain, the other layer will make some money out of it, right? So you end up paying more costs than you would. And the cost is, uh, so a lot of people say that, but I'm paying foreign exchange costs. But it's not the same because this is an annual cost that you pay for however long you're holding it. Versus a foreign exchange is like, okay, you've paid it one time, uh, then your money is in dollars. You can do whatever with it. You can do whatever you want with it, right? So that's that's kind of the the difference. The second is a sort of an unseen cost, which comes from the fact that if you're let's say investing in an ETF in the U.S. market while being in India, your investments are happening uh, when the markets are closed, right? So you necessarily don't get that that liquidity uh, that you would otherwise. And also, there tends to it doesn't track that ETF the way it should be. So that what gets introduced is this thing that's called a tracking error, which is very difficult for an invest end investor to see because you don't know key how much the US uh, sort of underlying index has moved or the ETF has moved and how much the mutual fund should be moving. So you not, don't necessarily get a like-for-like -like return. And that's, again, something you should be cognizant of. Of course, there are benefits of doing it locally. Like, I mean, you don't need a new account. You don't need to do LRS transfer, all of that. So I think... We see the pros and cons of both sides, and it's, I think it's just uh, that both options will coexist. And and for an investor, whatever they want to pick will be available for them. Right, right. And of course, apart from the ones that you outline, there is the benefit of a lot more choice. I mean, some of the products that we discussed today, like OI ETFs, defense ETFs, etc., may not be available. In fact, are not available to the mutual fund group uh, from India today. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. So, I mean, 2000 is the universe versus sort of in, in, universe in India is, is building up. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Uh, thank you so much, Viram, uh, for spending some time with us and uh, addressing this very fascinating question that, you know, there is a lot of downside to this, but for uh, perhaps people who are sophisticated, people who are able to seize the opportunity, there could be some upsides as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Neil. It's always a pleasure being here and thanks. Thanks for taking time out. Thank you for listening, folks. You can reach out to me at ActusDei on Twitter. That is spelled as A-C-T-U-S-D-E-I. And you can also reach out to us collectively at mintmoney at livemint.com. Thank you. listening in we're also available on livemin.com and if you're old school then do pick up a copy of mint for some insightful coverage if you have any questions you want us to address do reach us out at ht smartcast we are present on twitter facebook and insta and if you want to connect over email write in to us at mintmoney at livemin.com until next time it's bye bye this was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.